Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, stories and sermons for the journey. It's a channel of blessing and encouragement for beloved friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We bring you stories of good news, connecting in Christ and building the kingdom, and the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. Beloved listeners and friends, I am your guide, Pastor Kevin Job, and I am very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded in 2011 by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yami Cruz in Jovianos, Cuba. And my wife, Tani, and I serve as directors and chief connection makers for the U.S. branch of the ministry. Together, we have a great team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants who are dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. We pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons, reflections, and our testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Hey, today on the podcast, we're going to talk a little about the phenomenon of grief. Now, someday when the kingdom of God is complete and the relationships between heaven and earth and all of creation are restored, the scripture promises us that there will be no more death or tears or pain. But until then, we do all experience loss and struggle in the aftermath of it. And it's especially relevant as we come out of this season of disease and death. I recently spent nearly three weeks in Cuba with the people of La Senda Antigua, and I was honored to be able to sing at a praise concert in memory of my brother Jose, and to preach to our brothers and sisters the following morning on April the 3rd, the first anniversary of his passing. Now, what I had planned to say initially bore very little resemblance to what the Lord fed into my mind and my spirit and what he pulled from my lips. I had prepared a sermon, but what God directed was an honest testimony that I'm going to share with you right now. So my thoughts today are inspired by a couple of prophets. So let's start with Elijah, 1 Kings 17.1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. It's a time of drought. Not a drop of rain has fallen now for three and a half years, as the story goes, and so it's also a time of hunger and scarcity. Now this theme of drought is pretty common in Scripture. There are people who thirst and Even today, there are people all over the world who don't have access to a source of clean water. Right now, a lot of folks are in a time of drought, just like they were in the time of Elijah. Now, Elijah found himself in danger almost all the time, and and the man struggled. Even after some of his greatest miracles, he would come out depressed and lacking the the, the faith that he needed to move forward. I, I mean, he had to confront and put up with one of the worst kings in the scripture, Ahab. And even worse still, Elijah had to survive being pursued by and persecuted by Ahab's evil wife, the one and only Jezebel. And together, these two arch enemies of Elijah had assassinated almost all of God's prophets and were chasing after Elijah when in 1 Kings 18 verse 1, it says that after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. I'm thinking, huh? Are you kidding me? I don't think so. You're going to need another prophet for this one because, Lord, I am telling you I'm not going. Okay, so maybe that would be my response, but Elijah went and did what God commanded. He went and found Ahab, and after this, he arranged a showdown between himself and hundreds of the prophets of the pagan deities, Baal and Asherah, who happened to be in Jezebel's closest circles, 850 against one. Impossible odds, right? 1 Kings 18.20 says, Ahab sent word through all Israel and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. 
But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Now, the showdown was it's something of a competition between these false demigods and their prophets and the one true God and his prophet. And the task was simple. Call on your God to rain down fire and burn up a sacrifice. The God who burns the sacrifice is the true God. And so the pagan prophets went first and they arranged their sacrifice and started calling out and dancing from sunrise until noon, but there was no response. Now at this point, Elijah gets a little randy and he starts to taunt them. Hey, maybe your little God went out for a walk or he's busy or maybe he's even thought or he maybe he's sleepy and he went to take a nap. Holler at him to wake up. And so these fools start yelling even louder and they slash themselves with blades until blood was flowing all over the scene. And this goes on all afternoon and still there's no answer. Verse 30, Elijah says to the people, come here. And they came to him and he, he, he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been turned down. And he took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he arranged the wood, and he cut the bull into pieces, and he laid it on the wood, and then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Now do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time, and the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. And then at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. During all of our travels in Cuba from Pinar del Rio to Punta de Maisi and to the four corners of the United States of America, quite often my little brother Jose would remind me that he had this vision to preach the word and to share his testimony all over the world. And I never doubted for a minute that this was going to happen. A year ago, when he was hospitalized, many people were calling me in agreement that we were going to see a miracle of healing in him. And I'm telling you right now that I had never before encountered such firm prayer agreement, and from people in so many far-flung places. Some of them had never even met him. I mean, it was as though the outcome had been promised to us and was written in stone. March 31st, 2021 was a monumental day. Thousands of people were on their knees in intercession for Joseito. And as I was receiving calls and messages, it dawned on me that we Path Ministries, our greatest hope is to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed. We want to see people set free from what holds them captive and offer salvation in Christ to people lost in darkness. We want to live as examples of oaks of righteousness planted to display God's splendor. And on the morning of April 3rd, 2021, our ministry is built on connections in Christ and our financial foundation depends on the rank of our plans for love friends such as you. If you'd be interested in becoming a covenant financial partner or contribute to the work of the ministry, invite you to visit our website, ancientpathministries.org. Check out the church in action. And see how you can be what a part of bringing good news, merely connecting in Christ, and Willie, building my phone the kingdom. vibrated again and I answered it and I was confronted with the trembling voice of my nephew and Manuel who brought me the news. <laughs> news I didn't want to believe, but, but I knew was true. And so we cried together and we prayed and we cried some more. 
Suddenly the world had changed. And then just a few days later, death struck our family again. So as I was preparing this word this week, the Spirit started to press on me to deviate from my plan. Kevin, the Lord said, you need to share a bit about what's happened in your life this past year. And maybe it would be better to say or that I needed to admit or confess. Seriously, what's gone on in me this past year has felt something like this word from another prophet. This is Lamentations 3, where Jeremiah says, He has pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all of my people. They mock me in song all day long. He's filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He's broken my teeth with gravel. He's trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. And so I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. We're going to take a moment now for a short break. Stay with us for more on the Ancient Path. At Ancient Path Ministries, our greatest hope is to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed. We want to see people set free from what holds them captive and offer salvation in Christ to people lost in darkness. We want to live as examples, the oaks of righteousness planted to display God's splendor. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you'd be interested in becoming a covenant financial partner or just contribute to the work of the ministry, I invite you to visit our website, ancientpathministries.org. Check out the church in action and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. When I was 15, my mom taught me something really important. Uh, a year earlier, my niece had passed away. She was only five months old, and it really hit me hard. And I had kept this flower from her funeral in my room. And one day, another niece came running through my room, and she accidentally knocked the flower to the floor where it was reduced to dust. And I lost it. I started screaming at her. Mom showed up pretty quickly, and she grabbed me by both ears like she used to do to focus my attention. And she looked me in the eye, and she said, Look, the time for this kind of grief and tears is over. Kevin, if you keep carrying the pain like this out in front of your life, it's going to destroy you. Son, there's a, there's a time and there's a season for tears. And even afterward, there are going to be days when you remember and maybe cry some more. But there comes a moment when you've got to put grief in its proper place and move forward. Now, in the time period right after Jose's passing, I knew exactly what I was called to do. I've always said that one of the greatest honors of being a pastor is to be able to walk beside people in a time of great loss. Now, listen, Jose and Yami aren't only beloved in Cuba, but wherever they have planted their feet. I mean, people all over the United States love and admire them and their family as well. And so in this most profound moment of loss for all of us, I, I found myself in the seemingly strange position of chief counselor and consoler. So I kept myself occupied taking care of Jose's friends in the United States, our pastoral and missionary team in Cuba, and then from a distance embracing Yami and my nephews in Cuba and in Florida and the giant Job Santiago clown at home. Now, this was all familiar and comfortable for me. It gave me this sense of normality when everything was really upside down and backward. I could be counselor to everyone else and try not to think too much. Let's backtrack a minute to Elijah and the drought. After Elijah calls down fire from heaven, 1 Kings 18.41 says, There's the sound of a heavy rain. So Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. 
And so at home in my little circle, I continued working and praying for this reign of blessing and grace and favor over the people of the ancient path everywhere. In August of 2021, I started this podcast program as a means of spreading the witness of the work of the people of La Senda, fulfilling both Jose's vision and my calling as something of a postmodern epistle sculptor with 21st century technology. In Cuba, though we were prohibited from meeting as a whole group, Yami kept everyone connected through the miracle of a messenger group called Cristo Vive. And in the meantime, I started to hear rumors of a small cloud in the distance. And finally, after eight months, came the moment when we were allowed to meet together again. And as I look at it, the weekend of September 18 and 19 was something like a day of Pentecost again for La Senda Antigua. And from home, via another technological wonder called WhatsApp, I watched a live stream as our pastor Yami, this anointed warrior for the kingdom of God, unleashed a powerful message of the good work that God has begun in us that will continue to the day of Christ. And once again, we began to experience the presence and the baptism of the Spirit, revival, partners invested at heretofore unknown levels, waves of kids arriving at the church gate, youth on fire with the anointing of the Spirit, rains of blessing on a thirsty people. It was, and it remains to this day, astounding. But personally, though I was getting a measure of joy knowing that the hand of God is still on us, I just couldn't really take hold of that joy. I mean, it was hard. Do you all know what Elijah, that great prophet of God, did after he defeated the prophets of Baal and Asherah? Listen to 1 Kings 19.3. It says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. So here I was, while I was doing whatever I could for everyone else's well-being, I was allowing my pain to control me. I had stopped moving forward in the process of grief, and I knew it. I knew it well. I found myself watching from a distance as this shower of blessing began to fall on our work. And I was a part of it. I was choking on my own dust at home. Instead of insistently praying for a little fall of rain over my life, I spent months feeling like the lamenting Jeremiah or Elijah after God used them to do something miraculous. I was living this contradiction, crying out to God to take away all my pain and all the while looking for comfort and bad habits from many years ago. It was only after Tani and I got back to Cuba the first week of December of 2021 that I started to emerge from this depression and the chance to spend time with my family and my church there to go back over the whole story of our roots in Cuba and to share face-to-face, -face, well, from the eyes up anyway, and to cry alongside my friends, it, it brought me a new and profound comfort. There are traditions in Scripture and elsewhere in world history regarding grief about how to work through it and when to step into new phases. Our spiritual ancestors would sometimes go around wearing sackcloth and, and with these itching material and ashes smeared on their bodies. More recently, sometimes after the loss of a spouse, the widower or the widow might wear black for a year or so. And several months ago, with my mom's counsel and some of these rites of passages in mind, I placed April 3rd, 2022 on my calendar as a day in which I could, figuratively speaking, take off the sackcloth and ashes and wash my face and shave and step into a new phase in the process. The ideal was to mark, like my brother always loved to say, a before and after. Now, I have to confess that recently this idea had started to feel more like a threat than a step forward. <laughs> but I figured something out as the day was approaching. Sometimes there isn't before and after, or at least they aren't so clear-cut. 
oftentimes there is a during or in the midst of. In the midst of his grief and lamenting, Jeremiah also wrote, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And with this declaration, even though he still felt the pain and maybe he kept on being depressed, I don't know, Jeremiah started to put the grief in its proper place. This past year, we felt the reign of blessing and favor and grace, and we've experienced the start of a new wave of revival. We've seen miracles, and we have reason to celebrate in the midst of our grief. I can't speak for everyone today or say much with any certainty. All I know is that we've been through a lot of loss this past year, and that in the midst of our grief and during all of it, God has been with us, and God will continue to be with us. And the grief, you know what? It's likely going to stick with us. I'm pretty certain that my personal loss and the accompanying pain isn't going away. I believe it's going to go with me until the day that Christ comes or he calls me to his side. And you know what? That's normal. What is important before, during, and after is what the best mom anyone could have ever hoped to have said to me all those years ago. I have to put that grief where it belongs and march forward. Now in the future, I'm hopeful it's going to be a much sweeter thing and a lot less bitter and more of a great longing than a huge hole, you know, an incredible memory instead of a present bad feeling. But in any case, the day has arrived. Today, I mark a new phase, a before and after, during. From today forward, I'm going to pluck that grief from its former place at the center of my field of vision, and I'm going to move it over a bit so it doesn't block the way forward. And, and someday soon... Maybe I'll put it out of my peripheral vision so that it actually takes some effort to even remember the hurt. This morning is the dawning of a new measure of God's mercy, a before and after, during. Today, I celebrate. Maybe it's akin to a sacrifice of praise for now, but one day, and I pray that it won't be long, I plan to celebrate April the 3rd, like our spiritual ancestors did on the ancient path, with shouts of joy. May it be so. Amen. Amen. And so, beloved friends, this brings us to the close of today's episode. So thanks for joining us. Once again, be sure to check out our website, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. This is Pastor Kevin Job for Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. We look forward to seeing you next time. Que Dios te bendiga mucho. Go be the church.